Is that a dildo sticking out of your leg, or are you just happy to see me here on V'ger, please? A heinous trip at Warp 5. My name is Joseph. It was a blue dildo. <laughs> you got to keep the quote the right way. Uh, I'm your co-host, Peter. Yes, Peter, I was, in fact, quoting you uh, to talk about this episode because <laughs> it was too perfect. It was too perfect. Uh, a, a screenshot that you made on our Facebook group. You know, if I didn't know any better, I would have thought maybe this one was uh, directed by Roxanne Dawson. I, it's, I, I haven't seen blatant porn adjacent <laughs> imagery on Enterprise since Vox Sola. It's definitely a, a strangely shaped icicle. Um, it's, <laughs> what, what Very episode, girthy. Yeah, what episode of Star Trek featured this strange icicle? Uh, season four, episode 14, the Anar, but <laughs> which I guess would be a pretty good, like, porn parody title. <laughs> the Anar, eh? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's yeah, real Anar. Entirely of different set of racial features. Listen, uh, I am super far because I just get enraptured with this YouTube drama about the decline of Disney and, and all the conspiracy theory stuff there. This Oh yeah. There was even more. There was, there was more of that. Yeah. The Ray movie may have already been canceled. She Hulk was canceled. Mm -hmm. The chip, the dominoes are starting to fall. It's very clear. Nelson Peltz and his proxy war is a jumping on CNBC. Anyways, as a result, I've fallen way behind on listening to us. And uh, I just finished up the Picard season three stuff. Which I really enjoyed listening to us talk about. Uh, well, I should say I, I enjoyed the the trip down memory lane. And I suppose I should just sit down and actually rewatch season three. It's worth it for sure. Time. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then I started on season four, episode one. Uh, Stormfront part two. No. It was part one and then part two. Part yeah. one. Might as well have been a different world ago, different <laughs> life, right? It does. It does feel like those were those were the bad old bad days that were finally put to rest, right? Like they sped run the plot just so they could just get it all flushed out of the system and have this this new great television show that we get to watch they every week. Were, but as I'm watching it, uh, and I'm I'm looking in my mind's eye and I'm remembering these scenes. And then it dawns on me that the two mafia guys that they had, or at least the one mafia guy for sure, Sal, which is the dude who brings the hamburger and gives it to the lady. Yeah. That's fucking Bobby Bakla from Sopranos. And it just comes to me like while I'm in the shower, I'm like, Bobby Bakla, Bobby Bakla Sari, who I love. And we're in season four. Four of Sopranos right now. Uh, his gosh, I don't, I don't want to give spoilers. I just watched. It's, it's, it's a twenty-year-old television show. You can go ahead and give spoilers. I, yeah, I would say like, who hasn't seen this? Very. We're on a TV show. The we're on a podcast. The entire premise is that I have not seen a TV show. Okay, right? fair, fair enough. It is, it is okay. Okay, you got me. Is, so, anyways, it's the episode. We're on the episode where Ralphie's son just got injured um and and bobby bakla is like closely attached with junior who i think junior might actually be my favorite character in that show (laughs) the shitty old man (laughs) yeah but he's like his comedy is subtle and good and i like his like og viewpoint on stuff like when they start discussing the uh the new york branch and like he's 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 a cagey old guy, right? But like his right. cranky old madness plays off Bobby Bakla and his like ignorant indifference to everything. I don't know. I think that might have made Stormfront Part One a lot better if I was watching Bobby Bakla instead of Sal. I don't know who the other guy is. I saw that. Actually, no, I, I do know. Carmine was the other one. He's the guy that gets shot first. That's the Lone Shark. Correct. And I'm like, oh, you know, because I thought he was. uh I thought he was the capo that Ralphie replaces, but then I look him up and instantly it's like fucking Google and it's like, oh, why did so and so do this thing to that guy? It's like, oh, cool. Spoilers. (laughs) 
which I'll tell you, trying to dodge spoilers on. I guess anybody that sort of like seemed Guido-y enough was probably cast in in Sopranos at the time because it was contemporaneous to Enterprise. So these are like known quantity actors in Hollywood sure. of like these are the dudes that play mobsters. Right. And nobody's so Enterprise wants Bobby, a c- nobody's sweating Bobby Bakla, right? This right. isn't Robert De Niro we're talking about, but it's like, okay, he's good he, enough. He's available, and we know he can do look in a suit and say, hey, he's used guys, you know? Yeah. Um, it's also uh, topical, I guess. I watched the episode of Sopranos where they start abusing um, some sort of HUD loophole. <laughs> and they get the, the councilman's activist friend to, like, basically like be the patsy and all of that and i'm just it's killing me i'm like the way this guy talks there's this noise he's making with his mouth is and i i know i know it from something and i'm scouring his imdb and uh he was ben ulrich the detective in daredevil and i was like oh we just talked about daredevil a ton last week that's true we did so speaking of good yeah, so this thing, with all of its actors from The Sopranos, not this episode, <laughs> but like season four, continues to truck along on a nice pace here. Uh, this is the third episode in the, I guess you call it the the drone ship saga. And yeah, Memory Alpha calls it Romulan Interference. By the way, teleplay by Andre Baramis, story by Manny Cotto, directed by Mike Viger. Um Mike Viger's last episode, too, but he doesn't get the retirement party that David Livingston got last week. No, because Mike Viger is basically like value brand David Livingston. I looked back at his like episodes. Nothing again. Nothing really stood out except that he really happened to do quite a few shitty ones. But, you know, he also had some mediums, especially in Voyager, like Muse, which I think you and I found endlessly amusing. Like Muse was just one you and I perhaps enjoyed reviewing more than was actually quality. Flesh and Blood, that was pretty good. Friendship One. Great. Rest in peace, Joe Carey. No no one found your weed. Renaissance Man. So he had some some hits at the end. Which one was Muse? Muse was the one where Bellana was on uh, planet Greece. I thought, didn't she direct that one, though? Did Roxanne Dawson direct no, it? No, Roxanne Dawson directed one that her boyfriend from Muse was a main character again. Correct. Right. That's That was the connection there. Um, you know, in line with all my thoughts about Bobby Bacala, a big part of our discussion in uh, Stormfront Part 1 was discussing uh, why they got season four what the significance was it they get 22 episodes this season correct because that hits them at the magic number of 100 episodes total which syndicates they had enough for syndication i don't think they got to 100 but the four season package was going to be more attractive to sell and then dvds so uh the the friday eight o'clock death slot right Right, and they were making this to be seen later. They really weren't seeing it as something that was going to be an ongoing concern. And this is actually the first episode of the show that was produced after they knew they were canceled. So they found out as they were making United that this that this was happening. So flesh that out, right? You know that your days are numbered. Rewind all of this. You know that season four was basically kind of a fluke that it even happened. And I would be curious to know, like, was the sentiment of the actors basically like, all right, well, we kind of saw the writing on the wall here and it's not a big surprise. Or were these guys like really pleased with what had been going on with season four? And they're like, hey, maybe we can, you know, salvage this thing versus, okay, it's getting canceled. We're moving in the Friday death spot. Um, we know Star Trek is this unshakable product that can just live in syndication and sell DVDs. And there is a uh, there is a after premiere value. You know, 
that is as good as gold, at least until Nutrek comes along and destroys all merchandising. <laughs> right. Uh, but yeah, maybe we're not getting great leadership numbers now, but UPN's probably going to fall apart soon anyways. But man, we're going to get some tight residual action on this thing. So go ahead and finish it off. It's going to live forever, right? Like if you're an actor on this thing, it's like I'm going to have I might as well do the best I can because this show's never going away. It's Star Trek. People are going to watch it forever. It's not like some other like one season goes away 90s TV, which we've been talking a lot about on our discord, by the way, which everyone is welcome to join. Just hit me up. Uh, DM me on Twitter at uh, Vidra, please, or email me at Vidra, please, at gmail.com or say something in our Facebook group. And there's so much forgotten TV of the whole like 1990s decade stuff that was around for a season then went away and is just lost to time for the most part. This and this is going to this is this can be great material for you to get other jobs down the road. And it's a gold standard franchise. Yeah, like here I put in if you're a connoisseur, you've got plenty of stuff that you can show to be like, I can act here. Let me show you. Mm-hmm. Is it demoralizing? It's got to be, but it's not a lost cause uh, for the actors. You know, there's no reason to phone it in. Right. There is still going to be attention on you and your performance. And I have to believe at a, at a very real level with Star Trek actors, you know about that convention circuit and you know. Oh, yeah. You know that money's coming. You cannot give up or you are going to be costing yourself big down there. And that has to be part of factoring in, like, I'm going to apply for this Star Trek thing, or I'm going to accept the Star Trek role. I want that convention money. I want that fame slash infamy in my life. What's it doing to the production staff? What's it doing to the writer's room when you're knowing that, okay, our, this is it. We've got a couple more episodes to finish off here. You already have to know what the scripts have to be done, don't they? Like you can't have find out um, under United like, oh, they're canceling us. Hey, uh, OK, so we get how many more episodes? Hey, these are the other stories we want to tell. Like they had to already be plotted out. You, you don't just make a script overnight and and have all the set pieces ready. Coincidentally, unless you're doing bottle episodes, I guess. I think that you start to see some of the impact with how they end this episode because it's like, okay, they probably had a plan. Like you said, they didn't know we had to plan for season five, right? Talked yes. about it. Refit the enterprise, all that. They know it's coming to an end. They probably take what they were intending to do anyway, knowing this was, they were, they already kind of knew this was possible. So one would presume they were pretty well prepared. And I think that ends up being demonstrably true when you see how like the last few arcs work and then what, where this show ends up and what I believe to be the true season series finale an episode called demons. And it's like very well executed. So I think they kind of knew this could be where they could wind up. And you went from plan a to plan a two. you know, like you're not re- you're not, you're not changing things on a fundamental level you are kind of refining them so that you can be like, okay, here's the end of Shran's story. Boom. Right. We had, we were with this guy for a while. We did a lot. We've got to make sure there's no loose ends. I think that's the kind of changes they made. Hmm. You know, once upon a time, memory alpha used to give the dates of when scripts were completed. And I'm hoping it's something they pick up doing again, because DS nine is going to have shock you with the level <laughs> of detail. People love that show so much. They became obsessive about all the production stuff. Sure. But I mean, I'm saying like, I normally I don't care when scripts are completed, but now that there is this uh, line in the sand of like, you knew you oh, were yeah, being canceled. Yeah. You didn't know you were being canceled. Like how close these scripts are getting belted out. It's uh, another thing about like Manny Cota's unfortunate early passing that I'd love to ask him. He definitely would have been someone I would have pursued an interview with. I would love to know these details from him. Yeah. A couple months too, uh, too late for us on that one. But hey, uh, episode's good. And let's talk about it. And we talk about it starting with the teaser where we're kind of off ramping the political plot, but we're staying with the Romulans, right? The first two episodes, this is what I thought was kind of strange. And I alluded to this last week. We're still doing the drones. We're still doing the Romulans. 
we're still doing the Andorians, but the whole plot line of them and the Tellarites and trying to get them to attack each other, we're just calling that over. We're not talking about it anymore, but we're going to continue these other pieces of the plot. And this is kind of the bridge here where they start talking about what happened. And it's uh, Admiral Valdor and Romulan Senator Vrax. That's Admiral Bruja Primogen. Please use the correct terminology. (laughs) Yes. Uh, Johnny Fiore, the Bruja Primogen, and a senator named Vrax are talking this over. Senator named Vrax who doesn't learn his lessons. And that's my first note. And there's Romulan senators don't learn. He starts off by grilling the Bruja Primogen saying, uh, you know, you really fucked up. Uh, I'm going to be in hot water. This might get me killed. You know, the whole the whole mission was to destabilize this area and and uh, stress relations. And instead, what you've done is unify basically the entire fucking quadrant against us. Yeah, he said the the Andorians and the Tellarites have formed an alliance for the first time in history. <laughs> like you, you've really fucked up. You've accidentally made Alpha Quadrant Abraham Accords happen. Like your hell is that on your shelf, Bruja guy? What's his name? Johnny Fury. Yeah. What the, what, what the hell is that on the shelf back there? Is it is that a Nobel Peace Prize? <laughs> They, did they give you a peace prize for encouraging and you're displaying it? You, dro- you drone struck so many weddings that eventually everyone banded together. And his idea is, well, you know, this is really the human's fault. So let's go kill the NX-01 because fuck those guys in particular. This plan sucks. Okay. <laughs> like he's got another drone ship. He's going to take both of his drone ships. He's going to attack the Enterprise. Like. The damage is done. And if you go and you martyr the Enterprise by blowing them up right now, why do you think that things will get better for you? Yeah. (laughs) Choose your own adventure. Do you accomplish blowing up the Enterprise and, again, create a martyr and really solidify yourself as the boogeymen that everybody need to unite against? Uh, Do your drone ships get disabled and all of our sweet tech gets co-opted? Um, or do you just call all your shit back and ramp up the fleet and get good? Or, uh, do you lose the ships and also somehow lose your one of a kind pilot who is the linchpin to this entire thing being able to work? I like, I like the Anar being the one of a kind pilot in this because it explains like, why isn't Romulus just mass producing these badass drone ships and just remote oh, sure. piloting them. It's a problem right? that solves itself that they had to find this rare potential pilots to be able to even pull this caper off. And it, again, it, it makes it a real unique one of a kind technology. Uh, there's a great reason why it never gets revisited and why drone ships aren't the scourge of the Federation. Very good. Yeah. Good writing. Just, just clever plot engineering when we come back to the enterprise we find out okay tellerites are gone that's all done unceremoniously scooped off on a transport vessel that's what you do with poop people you put the <laughs> transport vessel. i know a lot about it uh, <laughs> they really are just like they were the bad part of the episode and it's a shame because there might have been cool stuff. like the first taste of tellerite we got was pretty interesting with like this obsession of like ship as a family um but that ambassador sucked. His people sucked. Again, I think the one guy should have turned out to be a Romulan agent that needlessly killed uh, a trans girlfriend. Yeah. But yeah, they get rid of him. And now it's just the good parts left behind. True. And that includes Shran, who's still with them. He's basically volunteered to say, like, well, clue, we got problems to solve. And my ship got blown up. So why don't I just hang out with you, my new pink skin friends and whatever he calls Travis. And we'll, we'll solve crimes together. To that end, if there had been some fat to cut on the episode somewhere, I mean, this was a three-parter. I would have liked to see because he had, what, 19 members of his crew survive? Correct. And they should all still be on Enterprise. No, they met with the... They they could have all beamed off when the... The fleet showed up, yeah. (sighs) Some point, there would have been a cool scene there with the 
and Dorian's co-mingling nicely with the humans in like the mess hall and really like Federation exchange. They're like, oh, hey, up. no, like we could work together. Like we're, you're not antagonists. We're kind of kind of finally connecting. Yeah, that would have been cool. That would have been good. I would have liked that. Uh, but for what we do get is kind of the micro version of that, which is Shran fulfilling that role, right? He's basically treated as a member of the crew in this episode. Mm-hmm. And he is with Reed, Trip, Phlox, and Paul and Archer to talk about what has been going on and what they can do about it. And in this room that has not existed before. Although I think they were using that as like the diplomatic room or whatever, yeah, but it's, it's like, just the same set that they use. That's for this like random room. Sometimes, sometimes to Paul is the local judge who is passing uh, death sentences. Sometimes it's the conference room that they always should have had. But here I they are. It, they must have destroyed the command. Was it the command? Yeah, they haven't used it this season at all. They must have gotten rid of it. it. This would have been the place to have that. And what they're mostly talking about is the information that Trip and Reed got off the drone ship, and that is that it was being navigated using a telepresence device. And what this is is a technology that allows you to remote operate the ship using someone with telepathic powers. Uh, it is noted that by Flox that uh, the telepathy power of the person that was apparently doing this is quite potent and that Vulcans, while they have telepathic powers, it is not as significant, something that we have touched upon in the past when talking about Tuvok in particular. And then lastly, that according to the brainwave information, he was able to pull down that while it's not exactly a match for Andorians, whoever it is had a very similar to Andorian brainwave pattern. And this leads to the revelation that's not a revelation for you and I, and that is that there is a second race of Andorian, essentially. It is a a spinoff that has been existing in the polar regions for thousands of years that's uh, only recently been contacted by the rest of Andorian civilization, which had to be quite a trip. (laughs) You're you're a space-faring civilization, and 50 years ago, someone comes by that's basically been Bigfoot your entire life and is like, hey, by the way, we're real, and there's thousands of us. Please leave us alone. We have fantastic future-ass cities underneath the ice, which is also- you read minds at will perfectly. And then uh, the, uh, the Andorians are like, hold on. Wait a minute. Are we the Mr. Rogers sweater people? Are, <laughs> are we going to be replaced by is there be a disease? Is there going to be a disease that space aid slowly kills all of us? And then the Denoblians are going to figure out the cure and decide that they're not going to give it to us because maybe it's time for the Anar to step up and get to, you know, steward the world. I like the, I like the, uh, fact that the anar like their design is very like fragile Did you note that like these just seem like they're kind of pushovers so if anyone's going to get space aids it's going to be them is what i'm saying like they're the weird albino blind offshoot that gets you know the the autoimmune disease i'm just saying yeah but they're not the dominant species on the planet and that's the ones that have to die if we're going by dear doctor rules i, I get that but i think in this case the Mr. Roger sweaters are on the Anar. I'm just saying. Even their outfits kind of have that sort of feel to them. They're also the nice ones that get along great. It's impossible to watch this episode without thinking about strange new worlds. Yeah. It's interesting. We have that context, right? Uh, I remember when we first watched Strange New Worlds. What was that guy's name? Hammer. Hammer. Um, you mentioning like, hey, this is actually a pretty legit deep cut into like Enterprise lore. Um, you know, it's far from just being a casual offhand mention. I mean, there's an entire episode dedicated to these guys. I would not say that Hemmer, uh, in any way resembles these guys in terms of temperament. Maybe changes came as the, uh, Andorians or Andoria 
entered the Federation and, you know, their society ended up changing. Well, if you, if you remember, the, it's been ages probably since you've seen it, but the last episode in Hemmer's in of Strange New World season one, mm-hmm. he actually talks about like the pacifistic moral philosophies of the Anar and that his interpretation of that is to actively go out into into the universe and to do good to defend others rather than simply be pacifistic. So like, I felt like they actually did bridge that gap a little bit. Hmm. Um, albeit like right before they red shirt his ass off the show, but you know, credit where credits do someone sure. fucking watched the enterprise episodes, this, this enterprise episode before writing him, which I guess isn't too heavy a lift, right? Like watch one episode of Trek, the one time they've showed up now build on this, you know? Well, I guess I'm saying that Hemmer was a real asshole and all these people seem pretty nice and smile and they're no, okay. And- okay. Nice. <laughs> that, 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 that's true. That's true. Uh, so they're going to head back to Andoria uh, because if there is a, a ANR pilot, they got to go talk to him about it. And that is when we find out dear listener that Andoria is not a planet. It's a moon, which was mm-hmm. such a clever idea. We've not run into like a major species that is native to a moon around a gas giant. But it makes sense if you're an astrologist, not astrology, uh, astronomy nerd, uh, because you know if you've ever looked at the moons of Saturn, and some of them have like the capacity to support human life, but in a very cold environment like Europa and Titan, uh, there's the, the, it's basically reflecting that is that it's a cold ass planet. Cause it's not really a planet. It's a moon around a gas giant. That's only uh, approximating a fraction of the solar radiation that it would, if it was in normal orbit. Neat variety. Um, there's a lot of cool special effects shots in this episode. There's a lot of stock BS footage mixed in, but uh, I can't remember the last time we really went down to like a polar planet before. I think we have to go to like Voyager for the last time we saw it. Yeah. What was that one? It was a uh, Tom and Bolana get stuck on the icy planet. And I know what, when you're talking about, cause it didn't involve someone like it was the, it was the very like passive aggressive people taking over Voyager. The sad sacks. Yeah. Yuck. <laughs> <laughs> oh no what a terrible memory (laughs) yeah let's uh get away from that uh i'm amused that this is the best cold weather gear that enterprise seems to have like this is cold cold this is what negative 26 celsius is what he was saying yeah they don't even give him like a scarf or a, a ski mask or anything they beam down archer doesn't even have his hood pulled up yet and it being cold as fuck here for us right now oh yeah it was five degrees when I went to the gym this morning. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, Shran's it's 11 59 ish. Fuck outside right now. Meanwhile, Shran's got his coat like unzipped. He's like, oh, nice to be home. Feel that. Smell that air. Mm. That summer air. That, that, that midsummer air. Mm. I love the uh, dichotomy between the Vulcans and the Andorians. If the Vulcans are from a desert planet, putting the Andorians on a, a polar shithole. Which gives you ultimately the realization that the uh, Andorians are too cold and the Vulcans are too hot, but humans, humans are just right. That's right. We're the Goldilocks species. Is That is our special skill. A plot is Phlox and Shran go to find the Anar and have a conversation with him. The B plot is the Romulans trying to get the drones launched so they can blow up Enterprise. And the fact that the science Vulcan is not in favor of this because this is evidently potentially lethal to the pilot to do this. The the Romulan, you're saying Vulcan. Oh, Romulan. And also we kind of get backstory about how serious Romulan politics inter interscene Romulan politics are like apparently by saying the wrong thing, you can be fired from being a Senator from the primogen council. Yeah. Yeah. Just do it right <laughs> off. Prince says your services are no longer required. Guess what? Now you're the keeper of Elysium. You have a real job now. 
I really like this scene where the Romulan general is like, I want you to make sure that this guy can go out there and destroy Enterprise. We're going to put two probes in. And then the scientist is like, he can barely fly one right now. It's causing him big problems. If we make him go two, he might die. And the general's like, I don't care. Uh, we are fucked. And, and I need to have some, you know, a, a solid win here. Nobody's figured out this plan's bullshit yet. But but if, you know, we think that if we can kill Enterprise, it'll somehow make things right. And he snaps at the scientist and the scientist will later come back and say, uh, you know, he's ready to go. And he goes, spoken like a true soldier. And then the Romulan scientist is like, I I'm a scientist, not a soldier. He's like, no, we're all soldiers. This is Rome, Yelin. This is this is <laughs> Romulus, right? Have you not seen the autistic parallels outside this window? You uh, might not know this, but I used to be a senator. Which I would think everybody would know, like, oh, yeah, that guy's a senator should be a big deal. But I used to be a senator. I was peers with the guy who's funding this thing. Um, and I dared question, what do they call it? The uh, the doctrine of unlimited expansion. Correct. And said, uh, what was the quote? He said, you know, is maybe we shouldn't just be conquering everybody. Shouldn't maybe we should just like chill with what we have. And that was that was forbidden. And he got kicked out of the Senate and still was able to just end up being just an admiral, which not a bad deal, I guess. And then the scientist goes, well, oh, I, I'm sorry to hear that. And he's like, I'm not looking for your fucking sympathy. I'm trying to let you learn from my mistakes. Uh, we do not take our foot off the gas pedal around here. This is uh, this is not Picard. Season. One, yeah, two season one. We don't we don't chill out. We got to be the bad guys. We got to create a balance of terror. It gives a great texture to Romulan politics that you didn't have before, you know, and it's not and it is in a way of someone trying to give good advice, say, like, just get the job done. That's what people care about. If you want to keep your job, that's what you're going to have to do. You're a soldier. Get used to it. Bury all of those feelings you're having. So it's not only the Romulans that we're doing cool world building with and, no. and giving backstory. Shran's comment uh, when they beam down is, uh, you know, and Dorian's live subterranean that he didn't even see the sun until he was 15, which is crazy. It's like one of the premier captains in the fleet. And as a child, I did not even see our own son until I was 15 years old. The, there is a C plot. If only, um, briefly touched upon, but I think effectively so. So I want to call it out and that is trip and to Paul drama, but it is not the usual, like, trip making demands of the relationship into Paul rejecting him kind of thing that you would expect. It's far more subtle and I appreciate it. I think because of that, and that is trip being protective to Paul trying to sort of probe her feelings without being too obvious about it and really trying to figure out where he stands with her, which is obviously what he's been struggling with of like, do you think about me? Do you do? You, is there still something going on here that I can latch onto, or is this really over and I need to reconsider my life? Which she ultimately does by the end of the episode. And I liked it. I liked it as a bit more like, yeah, this is weird. He's in a weird circumstance with a relationship. No one else has got to deal with kind of like being involved with a Vulcan, a Vulcan who's become very serious about her job and her, culture religion uh whatever you call Sorak's teachings mm -hmm. and now he's like okay well i got it down real bad for her but now she's got no time and it's not like i'm talking to a normal person i'm talking about the way alien. he broaches it too yeah he, yeah it's important to remember it. vulcans are aliens uh hey you know when i was on that drone i thought for sure i was gonna die uh you know and this isn't just a brush this isn't a normal paycheck i almost died this is like a 
for real, for real, the gun is on my head, I might die. And uh, it was a time that really made me focus on basic. Basically, all I could think about was you. he doesn't say that, but that's what he's saying. Right. He's he's trying to see what she was just thinking about when she went through a circum- uh, similar circumstance to try and see if she felt the same way. Right. And he never says any of that. And that but that's what happens in the scene. And that's what makes it awesome is that they're not telling you that they let you experience it. You know, like Trek doesn't always give you that space. And I like to call it out when it does, because it mm-hmm. really helps. It like makes what would otherwise be a tired thing, which is your romance plot line. And it turns it into something actually compelling and emotional and relatable. You know, yeah. there's a million other things going on. And instead, I'm worried about my wife. I got in a fight with this morning and now I'm mentally preoccupied with that at work while, you know, there's fires going off around me. It's rare trek is able to be relatable in a world where people are not greedy and (laughs) transport through space and that's kind of been the saving grace for enterprise is that these people are much more accessible to uh you know adults of the year 2024 so the 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 plot continues on the surface with them exploring well, let's just say a familiar redress, I believe, that you noted. <laughs> I'm watching them. Well, first of all, here's the D plot, and that is uh, Shran's missing antenna. <laughs> yes. Is is causing shenanigans uh, as they're exploring Shran's real wobbly. And we already established this is how Archer uh, lawyered his way out of the death match was that he made Shran incapacitated he cut the antenna off shran lost his sense of balance they've said as much but now they're like exploring these icy cliffs where you could just fall into like a bottomless chasm and archer's like hey buddy you want to slow down and shran's too proud to be like yeah let's here can i hold on to you so i don't fall down one of these bottomless pits and then they get to this big room gosh what was that two days two night no no, the one where they were rock climbing down to save the Denoblians on that planet where they were all the visitors were getting kicked off. I forget the fucking name of it. I remember the episode though. The the rock climbing adventure with Travis who gets like jabronied out halfway through. Yeah, but he's he goes too, down like too a chad to, to lead the expedition anymore. To create stakes, they had to render him unconscious. Anyways, there is this outcropping of stones against the wall that's very clearly a big like funhouse slide just waiting to zip people down and before it was painted brown and granite when it was trip reed and uh mayweather and they predictably fall and mayweather breaks his leg along the process and i'm like hey i remember this if only mayweather was here to break his leg well, it's not Mayweather that needs to worry about the leg injuries in this one, because sure enough, once you know, Shran loses his balance, falls down the slip and slide, only instead of just snapping his leg, he lands on top. What is it, a stalactite or a stalagmite? Which one grows off the floor? Stalagmites. I'm gonna. That's what. I, that's what I'm gonna stake my reputation on. Eh, stake. Good one. I see what you did there. <laughs> He falls down on this uh, real girthy, big blue dildo. I mean, it just looks like it, bro. Like, I just, I can't, you can't, you can't not notice it. It's like, He's what laying is on this? the floor. There's this huge throbbing blue protrusion jutting out of his leg. I'm assuming that Adorians have blue blood. And Archer's looking at him like, you motherfucker. We've got this <laughs> huge mission. We are trying to, like, save the world or whatever, and you are so proud that you have created a situation where you've fallen down the stairs, and now you are literally staked to the floor. And Shran's like, the floor gave out from underneath me. It's like, bullshit, bro. Shut the fuck up. You were staggering like a drunk up there, and I was fucking calling it out. You idiot. So they, like, pulls him off the fucking dildo, starts binding his wound with with, uh, the med kit he has on hand starting to talk about like i can't move you or it's gonna reopen i can't use the communicator because we're in fucking ice cave 
Well, it's not the ice cave, and this is a this is a plot point. These Anar, they are technologically advanced enough to have created a dampening field, which Reed had wanted to initially send Makos down, uh, but Archer knows what Janeway doesn't, and it's you don't go on diplomatic missions with guns. It is apparently some lost knowledge Starfleet, <laughs> and uh, fortunately. Uh, the the plot needs to continue. So instead of like trying to figure out some sort of plot point that allows them to find the Anar, that's just that they kind of wander up instead after- of devolving <laughs> into alive, where Archer has to eat Shran to stay alive. Yeah, they're just like, <laughs> hey, what's up? We're the Anar. We know we know you're here. Why don't we just like take you to our leaders and we'll just sort this out? Like we're we're he- we've been here the whole time. We watched the whole dildo thing. Real unfortunate. Let's see, if we can get yeah. you uh, squared away. Sorry, we didn't just come out and say hi, uh, and we let you traipse around here until one of you almost died. You know, these guys are in contact, too, with uh, with the Andorian government, yeah, right? They sent word to them to say, like, that's a joke later. It's like, you must have read my mind. No, actually, the prime minister of Andoria just told us you were fucking coming. Kind of dick moves. Like, you can't just go up and greet these guys on the surface. They have to search around the caves looking for your... Uh, your tribe or whatever. They just wanted to create a cool slide for you to come down. <laughs> Shran screwed it up. You're supposed to go down on your butt. You can't. <laughs> so uh, they the... take him to Flying Saucer City, which again, all as what did the Vulcans describe the uh, Andorians as? Um, paranoid, right? Yes. Think about it. They found out about Pajem just being a colony and like they were all up in Pajem's business, obsessed that the Vulcans might be spying on them. Meanwhile, they had this super advanced species right underneath their nose, building massive. Like cloaking um, devices, uh, basically, for their entire (laughs) civilization, knew nothing about it until 50 years prior. The city looks like a collection of Constitution class saucer sections like docked which i thought actually looked really cool it did wasn't bad although cg in this whole episode wasn't bad there was even a battle scene that was pretty well shot they get to the to the saucer section city start talking to these guys meanwhile Take on enterprise which the anr in case you were wondering dress in what appears to be cheap motel shower curtains <laughs> it's very unflattering very mm-hmm. 60s also <laughs> I like very that. 60s. I cool. They look very TOS. Um, on Enterprise, they build the tell a presence unit, and T'Pol has to test it. It's part of the deep sea plot as well of like tripping defense, like trying to protect T'Pol. T'Pol basically not entertaining him whatsoever, and any of his concern for her. Like she makes a real positive effort towards sort of I don't want to say driving her or him away, but basically saying not interested. We're just professional colleagues now, which he's he's struggling with and it works uh but it does almost give to paul a stroke which is important later um <clears throat> on the planet in the in our city we find out these guys are very well organized because they're so telepathic they are the most telepathic aliens i think we've ever seen because it doesn't require any effort on their part to read anyone's minds they merely have a social taboo against doing so unless they get permission. And they're very strict about that. But once they have permission, they're like, okay, yeah, yeah. I'm just, I've read your entire mind and uh, uh, I see everything and it's all good. Uh, we've seen a lot of telepathic societies and there's been a lot of statements of, we have a strict rule that you don't read someone's thoughts against their will. This is perhaps the first and only time we have encountered one of the said telepathic, uh, morally just civilizations where, in fact, it's actually enforced. Yes, <laughs> they they don't just read everybody's fucking thoughts. Yeah, it's like a real very rare, very rare. It's just, it's a real uh, I don't want to call it scandal, but like the <laughs> the 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 love interest for Shran, who I don't think that she's. No, it's Jamel, I think is her name. Um, she Jamel apologizes. Is the, 
is the brother. Oh, okay, is that the brother? Yeah. No, Unless it's, it's, it's Jamel Jermel. It's uh, Jamel is is the name of the sister. The brother was named something else. Jermel. Yeah. One of those families where the kids are named a little too close for comfort. Oh, no, it's Gareb. The brother's named Gareb. Oh. All right. Anyway, so she apologizes to Shran when she first meets him to say, yeah, I accidentally read your thoughts because they were just on your on the surface of your mind. I didn't like pull myself back fast enough. And I'm really sorry what happened to your ex, but that does mean you're single. So, hey, what's up? That gets to be the B C D E the F plot line. <laughs> I you know I think Shran that's, gets his groove back. You know, we that's a we've got another episode here with Jeff. Why not give him a love interest? He was so good at this. We'll just have him play uh, you know, smitten by this girl, and he fucking goes for it. It's good. Like he doesn't do a bad job having chemistry with someone. Again, very rare to see Star Trek give guest actors their own dedicated side scenes where they are talking to non-main cast members. And uh, Shran gets a couple alone time episode or alone time scenes with uh, Jamel. Uh, and, you know, Jeff Combs may as well be a regular in any of the, the series that he's in, but I mean, uh, yeah, this is a privilege that's been extended to him in the past, obviously thanks to DS nine being as popular as it was. And, you know, he's in that a lot and, and um, uh, Garrick was treated much the same way, but, but yeah, they, know. uh, they go, Hey, okay, we know why you're here. And rather than us wasting screen time with you trying to sell me on this, let me just wave my hand and Jedi mind trick you real quick. Yeah, I'm cool with it. Okay, uh, everything checks out legit. We understand. Yeah, it turns out you're right. There is an A&R. Got it. You know, okay, let me, well, I'll talk to everybody else. <laughs> Unfortunately, you know, the board is convened and we're pacifists and cannot agree to help you. So uh, Shran gets real bent out of shape and they don't really, I think there needed to be some sort of a security event that the A&R were contacted to be a part of. And that they said, no, we don't want to because of pacifism. But he's got a real chip on his shoulder about the ANR, at least in the beginning. It goes unexplained and unexplored, which there's a distrust. I like when Archer looks to him like, should I let her read my memory? And he's like, no, like, like, not bra. Yeah, like, give me a little context as to why that's happening. And I'm down. I just kind of forgot to write that. Um, The. The plot continues such that the young NR girl that's smitten with Shran goes back with him ultimately to Enterprise because, you know, they need an NR to run their telepresence unit. That's the whole idea behind them going down there to talk to them about this to figure out if they have anything to do with it. And if not, can they help them solve the problem? And ultimately, she has to have a mental contact with, I guess, her mom. To, to say, like, no, actually, I really want to go help because it's her brother that is the one that's doing this. And it's because he was apparently snatched off the fucking glacier at some point. Everyone thought he died. He was like eaten by seals or the fuck happens out there. <laughs> and so now it's found out he's being turned into a terrorist to, you know, drone strike weddings. And, and they want to try and do something about that. Or this one particular ANR wants to do something about it. I could have used some throwaway dialogue as to how exactly the Romulans found out about the inner found out about their telepathic, their telepathic abilities and snuck into paranoid ass and Dorian space to abduct one. Yeah. Like what cloaking device did you just sneak in there with the cloaking device? Like how we we've developed this technology that allows to remote pilot ships and strike our enemies from the home world. We made all this cool stuff. Uh, and then we figured out that we need a crazy strong telepath that could do it. What wild side quest led them to discover the Anar? <laughs> or you know, that could have been where it became a big deal on the planet because it was like it was news that they were found. They stole some like Endorian Imperial Guard documents about their telepathic abilities and, and eventually decided they should just grab one and do some experimentation with it. 
you know, like there's definitely like a story you could tell there, even in just a couple lines of dialogue, but it, it goes, I don't want to say unexplained because they, they say like they kidnapped him, but unexplored. And eventually she makes contact with her mom says, I want to do this. She gets her mind read. They accept this and they head back and get back to enterprise. And at the same time, that's when the drone ships have been activated and they have blown up a freighter named a Ticonderoga with the starship trooper shout out purposefully trying to lure the enterprise into an ambush, which is ultimately what happens. You know, the rest of this plot's pretty paint by numbers. Uh, she wakes up the, the initial tests with her and the uh, mine or the telecommunications chair, uh, Gives her a stroke. Yeah. Gave her a stroke. Serious business. They say, all right, this isn't going to work. We can't use this anymore. But in the middle of the battle, while Enterprise is getting hammered, which like uh, a, a seemingly freighter drops out of warp, they hail it. It doesn't answer like why they don't just blow this fucking thing up with photon torpedoes while they've got the not the element of surprise, but like before this thing's doing crazy uh, spitfire evasive maneuvers is i guess you know it's tv you got you got to be dumb or whatever but she wakes gotta up create the stakes so that this matters right they, they do a decent enough job to show how hard these guys are to shoot because of their evasiveness mm-hmm. so they establish like the threat of like they even talk about in in the uh the episode itself to say hey we need to have our targeting sensors ready because these things are fucking ridiculously difficult to do anything about. But yeah, eventually she has to come through. She gets, she gets gassed up by Shran to like give it another try after they've continued their little flirtatious connection. And sure enough, he, she's able to telepathically contact her brother, tell her like, Oh no, the Romulans lied to you. All of us are still alive. You're the one being turned into a weapon. And he he basically says there's only one way to stop this. And so he has the two ships attack each other. And that's when the Bruja Permission's had enough and decides, I'm going to just stick a, a, a disruptor right up against your neck and tell you to stop. And when he doesn't, he's just like, well, okay, blap, you're dead. He just dies. He's just murdered right there, just right in front of you. Just like... This guy is going for the bad ending. Not yeah, only did look. they fail their initial mission, not only has he now lost both the prototypes, but he's also going to kill the only thing that can possibly fly these uh, super badass probes. This dude's coming out with an F mission score. <laughs> he is. In fact, there's a cut scene where the Riemann guards that were initially working for the senator arrest the senator and Bruja Primogen for how bad of an L they just took on all of this. Would have been deserved. I wish they had kept that fucking one in there. So mission complete. The drone ships are destroyed and everything is well now in the Alpha Quadrant for now. And we get a last scene and this is where I think like you make a, your, a bit of a change, right? Mm-hmm. This is kind of like Shran's last Big episode on the show, right? There's not that many left. And so they kind of end his story. He's going to go back to Andoria. He's probably not going to get a ship. So he's not going to, he's not going to see Archer for a while. You know, Andorians who lose ships, they don't get rewarded. And um, they have their last like bro moment, right? We've talked about their bromance and slap hands. Catch you around. You know, we're still boys. We did some good stuff here. And he heads back to Andoria with his new, blind girlfriend i guess <laughs> like see you around pink skins is this really the last time we see shran we will see shran once more but only very briefly unfortunately this is shran's last like focused episode hmm. i wonder season five if shran would have potentially been brought in as a normal crew member perhaps to replace uh reed i think shran would have continued to be a guest star but an important one probably the head of the andorian forces that end up confronting the romulans right like the one that leads the charge to join archer in the alliance that becomes the united federation of planets and that he serves as sort of like archer's counterpart with the andorian fleet 
would have been cool to start seeing Tellarites and Andorians staffing Enterprise and right, Enterprise and being start staffing each other's ships and like so they can coordinate better. You know, like you're mm-hmm. going to do better if you've got humans and Tellarites on board because then we all are speaking the same language here. Mm-hmm. Alas, we will not get that, but instead we get a solid end to the Shran story, right? Like he was solid in every episode. We saw him and he was always a delight. He was always choice. Jeff Combs undefeated. And mm-hmm. uh, Anar is just another good entry into season four. I, you know, it, it kind of goes out there a little bit, but when it does it, it comes behind with, from behind with lore, right? It explains the things it decides to do it. Uh, you know, Andoria is a moon. Here it is. You get to see that. You can see Romulan politics. We get to see things about the Anar. We get to understand things about Andorian culture. Cool. That's what I'm here for. I like Star Trek. Very curious the decision to put special effects money as they are on such a limited budget to put the money into uh, CG for the thermal worms. Yeah, that, but not like, very much, though. They didn't spend very much on that. I don't know. I mean, for all I know, that was like, you know, $200,000. Who the fuck knows? All <laughs> <laughs> uh, right. After I, think this, the, I think the money starts getting used here near the end. I think they, they're done saving money. They're going to start spending money. And with what will they do that, Peter? With uh, season four, episode 15, Affliction. This is going to be uh, Mike Sussman. Story by Manny Cotto, directed by Michael Grossman, who I don't recognize at all. While Enterprise visits Earth for the launch of the Columbia, Flox is kidnapped and forced to help the Klingons deal with the grave threat towards their species. Well, they must not have known about his uh, objection to letting viruses ravage people. We didn't talk about the resolution of the trip. Oh, yeah. It does remind me that uh, the last scene of the episode is trip requesting a transfer to Columbia because apparently his mistake is what caused the NR to have the stroke. Maybe it's only a 10% dip and that right. really and he wants bl- to get away from, uh, from to Paul. And it's interesting that he doesn't disclose that as the true reason to Archer, despite their buddy status. He even really asks him and he just says, I'm not, he says, I've said all I'm going to say about it um, from a realistic quasi-military standpoint, it is highly irregular that Starfleet would not have just been like, we're taking half the Enterprise crew and putting them on to the Columbia because we need to get the second fucking starship. All our eggs are in one basket right now. Our entire planet was literally saved by only one ship because we only have one space-worthy ship if we were to believe uh, what is it? Zero point zero hour? Zero hour, yeah. Take the guys from the other NX class, put them on this Columbia and get this goddamn thing out into space so we can have two warp five spaceships, please. So it it is very trip dealing with the fact he's in love with a woman that is a weird alien that doesn't really seem to have time for him. It's like, well, if I don't have to see her every day working closely with her, I'm never going to stop obsessing over this unrequited feeling that I have. So I better go work for the other NX class ship. And Archer knows Archer knows. That's the reason it's his best friend. And he lets him not tell him yep. and say, all right, get out of here. You know, do what you got to do. So we'll watch that. We'll watch what happens to the Klingons. It's really not much left, man. We've got this two part story. We've got one, one shot. We've got the, the uh, mirror universe episodes. And then we're at the end. Just not a lot of content left, but it's all good. I'm looking forward to it. I'm ready. Thank you for listening to Vija Please. We appreciate you. Email us at VijaPlease at gmail.com. Uh, reach out over our Facebook group at Facebook page, Vija Please, or our Facebook group, Vija Please Trauma Support Group, which is open to anyone. You just have to ask to join. And then we have Discord as well. Find us, talk to us, contact us. Tell us how the show's been going. I've been soliciting feedback. We've gotten some good comments. We'd love more. Talk to you later.